When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And they found that the prime importance was caring for the source so that everything else downstream would be taken care of. It doesn't serve them for us to take on the emotion that they're feeling. Like if they're depressed and we get depressed with them, Mm -hmm. I'm not serving them in the way that God has called me to serve them. Drainers are people that take away from you and gainers are people that pour back into you. The key to helping people through some really difficult situations with not taking on their emotions is acknowledging your own limitations. Am I enabling, casting my pearls before the swine, or am I helping to teach and bring someone out of that situation that they're in? Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. In this episode, we're going to discuss how not to carry other people's baggage. And we are honored to have two guests with us here today, although they're not fully guests. We'll explain that in a moment. <laughs> but our guests are Evan and Ashley Grizzle. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Welcome. Thanks Thank for having guys. us. We're excited. Aww. Yes. So Evan and Ashley are the hosts of a podcast called Think on These Things, part of the Biblos Network. And they are a pastor of a church in Wilmington, North Carolina. And the reason why I said they are actually not quite guests is because they are on our team. We're so privileged to have Evan and Ashley on our team. (laughs) Tell you what, it's it's a dynamite team. Uh, I think just because we found uh, people that are... We, they can easily be friends. They are friends. Exactly. We yes. just need to move them a little closer. I know, right? Oh They're on gosh. the opposite coast. Yeah, I mean, they, they have a they have a Tesla, so they need to live in they need to live in California. Yes. <laughs> Not many superchargers in North Carolina. My husband's, my husband's transitioning to vegan, like you would fit right in. Oh my goodness! Oh, goodness. So much pressure. Oh, well, we are honored to have them on the team, even if they are on the wrong coast. But um, Evan is our executive vision ninja um, and Ashley is our creator of opportunities. And yes, those are their official titles, folks. And since we're the ones who create official, we could do whatever we want, right? Thank you. (laughs) I've always wanted to be a ninja. (laughs) But they're incredible. And um, we are so thankful to have them on our team. And we knew as uh, soon as we had them join our team that we needed to get an interview set up with them yeah, shortly well, we, thereafter. We looked at their uh, their resumes and we said, okay, these mm-hmm. people look really cool. Let's let's talk. Yes. So since That's then, okay. 
we got some people, these people on our team, and mm-hmm. we're charging forward. Yes. So yeah. we are so excited to have you guys. Um, a little bit more about them. They are a uh, pastor in North Carolina, and Ashley is also a counselor, has a master's in marriage and family therapy. Evan has a master's in executive leadership. And um, it shows, man, in that their education is... Um, comes through, but not only that, their anointing comes through and their giftedness comes through. So um, thanks so much, guys, for joining us to talk about this important subject. Yeah. Thank you guys for having us. We're excited to be here. They're great bosses, you guys. I just want to say this on the... The podcast. They're just oh they are the best people I have ever ninjaed for. Yeah. Yes. yes. We'll say that. Yes. You know, <laughs> we know you had it in you. Like when we, when we first saw your, you know, your split toe socks, we were like, yeah, <laughs> that's my, that's my Tesla driving socks. So. You guys. Okay. As you can see, our meetings with Evan and Ashley are halfway productive and halfway a laughing fest. <laughs> Yeah, I think half and half is being very generous for us. <laughs> well, you know, you got to enjoy the people you work with. And, right. And uh, I think very that's true. what's happening. And yes. when you have chemistry, you can do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, we we were curious. We, we threw some ideas out to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, and we chose this one because... I think you guys are going to speak very well to mm-hmm. it because not only are you counselors um, and see people and, and Evan, you are a, uh, a leadership coach, um, but you guys are also pastors, which mm-hmm. means you're counselors and a leadership coach mm-hmm. <laughs> in, yes. a, in a different way. Yeah. And so um, tell us a little bit about what does it mean um, to have emotional boundaries how do you maybe maybe tell us too how it you maybe you struggle with it or you know before and then you learned okay maybe we need to have boundaries around our lives in this area yeah what are we talking about when we say an emotional boundary yeah so i that's great um because i i think having an emotional boundary looks like having a healthy sense of self Mm -hmm. who you are and in the moment it looks like knowing where you're at and what you're feeling. And the reason why this is so important is so that you're not taking on the emotions of other people. Mm -hmm. And we have struggled with this and we hear this come up a lot as a common theme that often in situations, in leadership situation, in marriages, in families, um, people will come into a situation and there'll be maybe tension or there'll be anger or there'll be something else going on. And then that individual finds themselves taking that on mm-hmm. when they didn't actually feel that way in the first place. And commonly we hear, I don't know how to not do that. I don't mm-hmm. know how to not take that on as my yeah. own feelings. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think people experience that in ministry. Um, yes. But even folks maybe who are not in a position of leadership or in ministry, they might even experience that in their own marriage or family, maybe or taking on family members, in laws. Something I regularly see while counseling people, though, is uh, on their job, depending mm, on what their yes, job is. Yeah. Place. Yes. So if they're caretaking and, and and they see people die or um, they're seeing, well, counselors, this Mm -hmm. is typical. It's very difficult sometimes to lay aside someone's heartache Mm -hmm. 
and then mm-hmm. then enter your happy life. You know? Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I see that constantly. How would you say, Evan, um, as a pastor, and then maybe I'll have you speak to this as well, Ashley, as a counselor, even though I know you both pastor and counsel together. <laughs> um, but Evan, how would you say we draw the line between taking on someone's burden spiritually um, in order to serve them and lead them and guide them versus um, not having an emotional boundary in place and taking on their, um, you know, their emotions in the fullest sense. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, um, there was a preacher I heard speaking about it one time and I thought it was so good and it's so true. Uh, You know, I'm new to this pastoring thing. So there's a lot of feelings and sensations that I get that I might not know exactly why I'm feeling them or or sensing them. Okay. And there would be times where as a pastor, you'll come in and everything feels heavy, like you're coming into a service or um, maybe there's a heaviness like in a certain event or something like that. And and at first I thought everybody was just having an off day. But then what you find out is that actually you're kind of spiritually carrying the heaviness of the people. Mm-hmm. Because when the Bible talks about Jesus being moved upon with compassion, we, whenever we understand that to the fullest, I believe that what it was saying was that he felt what they felt mm-hmm. and that he felt that brokenness. He felt that hurt. Um, and so I think as a pastor, as a leader, we are called to fill that because we have to, to be able to um, connect with them on an yeah. empathetic level. Right. Um, but there is a line that has to be drawn there because mm-hmm. then there is taking on emotional baggage or emotional issues that maybe are not necessarily spiritual. And mm-hmm. then when that's the case, you're literally riding the wave of people's mm-hmm. emotions. And so yeah. I think it takes as a pastor from a strictly pastoral standpoint or a leader, um, I think it takes some prayer to flesh that out because mm-hmm. you have to be able to figure out what is someone maybe um, using emotions. Maybe they're using emotions to manipulate you or something like that. And then what is that true thing that God is trying to allow you to have empathy for someone and they are different. And so it's really important that you figure that out. Yeah. How would you define empathy? For this is a question for me. Either of you. Yeah. Uh, let's go to my wife on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, how would you describe empathy? Yeah. So I would think it would be just relating to and understanding the feelings of, of others. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. You know, I think just to tag on to what Evan said real quick, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I think that when you're dealing, like I know as a pastor's wife, um, when people are dealing with specific issues and uh, maybe even crises situations, the, the desire to take that on for them is so strong. It is so strong Um, because when people are truly hurting and it's people that you're close to and people that you love very deeply, Mm -hmm. you you want to be there for them in a Mm -hmm. really in a real way. Mm-hmm. And, but it can also be a trap because then sometimes we feel responsible for saving them mm-hmm. and we cannot save people. Only mm-hmm. Christ can save people. We can walk with them through it. 
but it doesn't serve them for us to take on the emotion that they're feeling. Like if they're depressed and we get depressed with them, mm-hmm. and I'm not serving them in the way that God has called me to serve them. Right. If they're depressed and I come alongside them and I walk with them um, in godly counsel and mm-hmm. walk beside them and help hold their hand and point them to the one who can help lead them out of what they're struggling with and help get them through that. Mm -hmm. Then I really am serving them. Climbing into it with them is not truly serving, Mm. serving them. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Yeah. What are some practical ways as a counselor, Ashley, that you have found um, to draw that line to be there and walk with them alongside them, but not get in the hole with them um, and to serve them well. What are some practical things you've put in place? Yeah. So um, I think just having setting up healthy boundaries, like with my time, Mm -hmm. um, I have found when I'm not getting enough rest and Mm -hmm. I'm not getting downtime, then the, the, the pool is there for me to jump in and cross mm-hmm. those emotional boundaries and maybe do things that I normally wouldn't do, but because I'm tired and I'm yeah. not, you know, feeling, I'm feeling vulnerable, then mm-hmm. the pool is there for me yeah. to, so healthy, like time boundaries, healthy downtime. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just talking with someone recently about, you know, having friends and having time with having time with Evan and spending time with my family. Mm -hmm. Those are things that fill me emotionally. So then I'm not vulnerable emotionally to other people pulling my emotions across those boundaries Mm. that I have set up. Yeah, that's good. So a lot of self-care being, being ready emotionally to pour into others and not just take on their emotions by having your bucket full. Mm. Yeah. So what do you do in a circumstance where, um, say there's been a tragedy in, in a family in your churches, um, Mm -hmm. in their life. Right. And you're, you're now struck by the heaviness of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and now you're walking with them and tempted not to put it on your back. How do you maintain your own equilibrium for your own family? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, without letting it, you know, like really drag you down. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a really great question because when tragedy strikes, I know for us and I know for other pastors that I know it's, Hey, what can I do for you? What do you need? You mm-hmm. call me. If you need me, my phone is under my pillow and I'm here for you because the situation is so bad. They need you. But then it also looks like, okay, this is going on. You're going out to dinner as a family. Okay, let's not talk about this. Mm-hmm. Let's put our phones down, you know, for an hour. Let's, mm-hmm. um, you know, let's just try to steer the conversation to family time and, mm-hmm. you know, um, things that maybe aren't centered around this particular event. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we will you'll pick it back up. But for right now, let's just take a few minutes to ourselves and let's, you know, Mm -hmm. spend some time together so that we all feel replenished when Mm -hmm. we need to make contact with them again and serve them well. 
Please. I think there's a story in a book that we read, and I, I can't remember if it was Soul Keeping or another one, um, Ordering Your Private World, but it, both are very, very good books. And one of the stories in the books was that there was a stream that fed life into a community in a mountainside. And what this uh, community did was they paid someone to go to the source of the stream and keep the stream free of anything like they kept it free of all pollutants so that everything flowing from the source, when it reached the people, it would continue to give health and vitality. Mm-hmm. Well, as everything gotten, had gotten bigger in the, the city, they needed more money to handle infrastructure and things like that. And they stopped paying the person who cared for the source. Mm-hmm. And then the stream got real dirty. The stream got real muddy and everybody started getting sick and nobody wanted to come to the town anymore. Mm-hmm. And they found that the prime importance was caring for the source so that everything else downstream would be taken care of. Ah. And in those moments, you have to care for the source, which mm-hmm. if you're the one giving, then it has to be you that you're caring for in those moments, whether it be prayer, Bible reading, spending time with your family, mm-hmm. um, spending time with friends, a hobby that fills you. You know, there's there's a, an, a thought that, that talks about drainers and gainers. Drainers are people that take away from you and gainers are people that pour, pour back into you. Mm-hmm. And so aligning yourself with those people during those times so that you're full, kind of like you were saying, because you always want to be able to be there when you need to be there without being drugged into it. Mm. So have a full bucket, but also make Mm -hmm. sure that you build a little fence around that bucket and spend time with your family. Well, I think think sometimes people think that self-care has to be like this rigid time, you know, every week, you know, on Wednesdays at, you know, lunchtime, I'm going to do this self-care thing. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes self-care has to be really kind of fluid. I yeah. know for us, our schedule is can really change. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, okay, right now we have this crisis situation going on. We have this going on. We have a lot of stuff going on. Um, but when we, you know, next week, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to, we've got a babysitter for date night. We've got, you yep. know, this, we're going to go out of town here and we're going to take that time. And we Do just a make reading sure retreat. That, yeah. <laughs> our reading retreat. Yes. We're going to, we're going to make sure that we fit those times in. Yep. And yes. so it's not always this rigid, like no one's crossing my time at, you know, every Wednesday. Yes. Yeah. Cause you, that's, you know, that's setting yourself up. Mm-hmm. But when you like, okay, I'm going to build this time in as soon as it's available, we're going to make this, you know, happen. That's good. Mm-hmm. I like that. Self-care can be fluid and not so rigid the way yeah. that the postmodern, um, I think narrative is around self-care. Like it's, you know, you have to have this rigidity and this schedule and pour yes. into you and yes, but you, it doesn't need to be rigid. It can, it can be flexible and fluid based on the circumstances and the needs of your ministry, career, family, et cetera. Absolutely. Especially as speaking as someone that is OCD, the fluidity is extremely important mm. because I get so upset whenever like my schedule gets thrown off and like today was the day from you know where and like we're just like <laughs> oh. all over the place doing all kinds of crazy things and you look up and it's 12 30 and you're like what happened you know I had to, mm. I wanted to do all these things yes. so you just need to go along with the fluidity of life yeah. and because that ri- when you're so rigid it can it can create a lot of mm. internal anxiety that doesn't need to be there mm, that's good so, so kind yeah. of like jumping off that because I feel like with that emotional boundary, it's not just the physical boundaries that we've kind of been talking about it, but it's also a mental boundary. I've seen people that are present 
or I, I should say with their family, but not yeah. present in their mind. Yeah. And they're, they're taking care of church problems or they're taking care of mm-hmm. their mother or they're taking like yeah. in their mind, they're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. How would you help someone that's just not, not able to slow their brain down? Can or maybe I... they're not, they're trying, but maybe not using any techniques. Can I how would this? you, how would you coach them? Dude, you just, it's so funny because you just described me for like the last year. My, <laughs> wife, my wife is so awesome and so sweet and she coaches me through things because uh, she's got the training and the love and the patience for it. And I'm over here like, can't shut off, you know, can't yeah. turn my brain off. It's nine mm-hmm. o'clock and I'm thrashing like, around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, honey, what do you think about such and such? She's like, I'm not working right now. I'm like, Okay. Boundary, <laughs> could yeah. you start, please? <laughs> yeah, I, could, yeah, I, like, uh, I just clocked you in. Actually, you are working right now. But I think the the thing about it is 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 you have to be very intentional. Yeah. With those times, yeah. whether it's putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, mm-hmm. your phone and your Apple Watch outside of the room. Yeah. Um, like one of the things that I've had to do because we've had so many dinners that get messed up because I can't wait because of my whatever the word is, um, yes. I'll leave my phone in the car because mm-hmm. there has to be a time where you can, what if it's whatever the case is, just let your mind shut off from the things that are strenuous yeah. and just be focused on something that's going to refill you. And mm-hmm. there's times where me and her are together and you, you talked about the presence aspect and that's so important. Um, cause I noticed a lot, like I would be there in body, but like my mind would be somewhere else or mm-hmm. I would be so tired mm-hmm. that my family's not really enjoying, enjoying the downtime. Mm. And yeah. so it's really important that we make an effort to be ready for those moments mm-hmm. and just shut everything out. Yeah. I, I advised someone the other day because they were telling me that they, um, have the hardest time, you know, not, not pulling out their phone because they feel like, you know, their, their boss is going to, to text them and they're going to miss something. And I was like, we'll start practicing you know, start with, you know, go for 15, you know, 30 minutes and practice not pulling out your phone. Mm -hmm. And then after 30 minutes, get like a regular watch. That's not Mm going to give you messages. And (laughs) then after 30 minutes, just check your phone and make sure everything's fine. And then, and then put it back or Mm. text your boss in advance and say, Hey, I'm I'm not going to be available for the next hour, but Mm -hmm. I'll be sure to check in after that and set up that boundary. Mm. So good. Relieve your mind. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. For a lot of people, I've I've advised them uh, to write down the things that are on their mind mm-hmm. and come back yeah. to it. That's good. Yep. Just because, like, you know how people you look at their their browser windows and they have all of them up at the same time. They have like thirty. <laughs> and you're like, please, that's driving me nuts. Just like, yeah. please, yeah, close those all out. You know. But I think that's what people do. Yeah. Yeah. Even when going to bed, they're just mm-hmm. cycling through their browser windows in their head and yep. not closing anything out. Totally. And for me, what's helped is writing stuff down. Like mm-hmm. just put it down and say, I'll come back to this mm-hmm. at yeah. X time. Yeah. And I would say too, that's one way that Adam has actually helped me. Um, and then I'll ask you guys too, what are some more practical ways that you can help a spouse without actually taking on their emotion? But you know, when I'm having a particularly anxious day or I just can't seem to shake something, um, Adam has actually taken a clipboard and probably that one right there, this clipboard (laughs) with a blank piece of paper (laughs) and he'll hand it to me and say, babe, go in the room and make your list. 
And this is not a list of to-dos. This is a list of all the racing thoughts. And so what I do is I, I make a list of all the racing thoughts, like things I'm in control of, things I'm not in control of, everything, whether it's trivial or it's more, you know, more in depth. And then I'll just re- make a list, all the what ifs, right? Like some yeah. of the yeah. stuff that's totally unrealistic. What if this happens and what if that happens? And then, and then he'll be like, okay, now go and highlight the things you can actually control. Which are actionable. Yeah. 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 And, and highest priority and actionable. Yep. That's what you got to focus on. And that's mm-hmm. helped both yeah. of us at different times. And yeah. so I, I think there's a, the, a, and it's a hard line to find, but that's kind of a tool to help find that line. Um, how would you guys suggest any other practical tools or ways to define that line of helping and supporting a spouse, maybe who's anxious or depressed or grieving or having a hard time with something, how to help them without taking on their emotion and, and, um, making sure that emotional boundary is in place. Well, I know, uh, I know like for me and talking about things really helps me get it out. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times if I'm talking to Evan about something, I will say in advance to him, mm-hmm. I don't need you to fix this or do anything about it. It's I so just helpful. need to talk. Yeah. yeah because he wants to fix, he wants to fix it, of course, which is amazing. It's so, it's so sweet, but I'm like, I don't need you to fix this or, or do anything about it. I was like, I just need to talk this out so I can get out what of this is like realistic and what of the, what of this am I overanalyzing? And mm-hmm. I just need to kind of like flesh this out. Yeah. And so I just need you to listen to me. And as I talk, I will, you know, kind of get through that. And that really helps me get through yeah. my racing thoughts. And when I tell him that I don't need him to fix it or yeah. do anything in particular, I think it helps him be like, okay, I just need to listen. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. good. Yep. Yeah. And I think too, it's important for the, for the, the, the male to, to just remember that sometimes everything doesn't need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be heard. And, and there are times where and she'll do this for me and hopefully I do it for her where like you'll, you'll find that there's a, a re- repetition in a thought pattern or a repetition in something that keeps coming up. And so being able to recognize that so that you can help the person drill down on that ah. is really important yeah. because my wife's helped me with that. And I, there's been times that I can think of where I've able, I've been able to help her as well, where mm-hmm. there's this underlying thread of thought or this mm-hmm. underlying thread of mm-hmm. feeling. And so all these other issues are happening. So, but those are an umbrella for the source, yeah. which is back here somewhere. And so what would be some examples of those patterns of thought, like the threads that you're talking about? Oh goodness. I always get the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think so we talk about anger being an umbrella, right? Uh-huh. It's like this umbrella emotion yeah. that it's just because someone's angry doesn't mean anger is the issue. Yep. And so if a spouse is lashing out at you or your kids or other people, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean there is an anger problem, although that can be the case sometimes, but maybe there's another, there's something else that has mm-hmm. triggered a response there. Mm-hmm. And how do we find that? How do we, we, we talk about it. We have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe we start asking, you know, more probing when did questions? you start feeling this way? Like Thank that's, you for saving me. That's kind of one thing that we do. Like, we'll, we'll say like, oh, well, when did you start feeling this way? Or, or when that's did good. you notice that? Or what 
action specifically, you know, made you start thinking along those lines? And then I feel like we ask each other, well, what's the, over- I feel like I'm probably asking this a lot, like <laughs> what's the, what's the overall goal here? Like if this could be how you, <laughs> you wanted it to be, if this could be any way you wanted it to be like, what's the ultimate outcome. Yeah. And I feel like that helps him narrow it down. Yeah, um, it and, and then um, another question that I ask is, um, well, what's something we can do right now? Like what's, mm-hmm. what can Good. we do right now to make this better? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that helps. And he, he reflects and does that to me. I feel like that's something we've, and we've there's another question too. Like, I think this is the biggest thing that I've learned is to say, this is what I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Active like, listening. Yeah. yeah. Because too, it, it could be that she's saying something and I'm thinking she's feeling such and such way about something. Uh-huh. But really when I repeat what I am perceiving, my perception back Your to her, interpretation. Yeah. Yes. Interpretation yeah. matters. And there's a lot of times where arguments or different things take place because there's a lack of communication, mm-hmm. but communication yeah. always breeds clarity. Yes. And so we have to ha- have that communication well, open like that. And that's a great point because with emotional boundaries, sometimes we're taking on other people's emotions Uh-oh. that it's not actually their emotion. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like I do this all the time, but I'm like, Oh, I feel like, I feel like you're um, angry about something. Um, that's just how I'm seeing it. Is that right? Correct me mm-hmm. if I'm wrong, you know, and I just ask them to clarify or I'm feeling, you know, I feel like there's a little tension here yeah. and yeah. clarifying that helps the understanding. And then you're not like, Oh, they're angry. Well, what are they angry about? Then we start building up this whole thing yeah. about what they're angry about. We mm-hmm. don't really know if that's really how the other person sure. is feeling. Not not just a spouse, just anybody in the yeah. workplace, right. people yeah. we're leading, you know, our peers. Um, that's applicable in yeah. all mm-hmm. those scenarios. So totally. this happens a lot um, in marriages, especially around things that are that have happened. Like if something big has happened in, in someone's life, mm-hmm. they typically, or there's one person that typically shuts down, right? It's, yes. They become quieter. And then depending on the situations, you have the spouse going, okay, where are you? What's going on? Mm-hmm. All I see is this frustration, this anger. Is that toward me? Is that toward mm-hmm. the situation? Is that toward other people? Like, And that's very uncertain. Yeah. So yeah. through doing you know, like, these questions and and actively listening it's so helpful to help open up that spouse Mm -hmm, totally how would you guys just to kind of shift this a bit how would you advise somebody who is on the opposite end of the spectrum where they're having trouble with empathy um i'll just give an example of a client this week that um, she's in law enforcement and you know she said i actually have chosen consciously to keep my emotions on to keep my sensitivity on because my colleagues have turned that off Mm -hmm. and so their her colleagues are kind of calloused right to um the the crime and the um tragedy that occurs and because they feel if they open themselves up to that uh then it would start marring them so they put Mm -hmm. up that shield yeah. And say, that's not going to affect me because it right. takes too much emotional impact on my and life. And so maybe there are people listening where, you know, they're in some sort of first responder role. 
law enforcement, you know, emergency counseling, and they have taken that turned off mode into their marriage and they're not even able to empathize at all. How would you advise that person? Well, I think that um, there have been times where I know just serving as a leader that sometimes cutting off your emotion um, feels the easiest thing to do um, Mm -hmm. because it's just there's so much going on sometimes. Mm -hmm. But like a simple starting, a simple reminder to myself that that person or those people are really hurting and reminding myself of that. It's almost like a snap back into reality. They're really hurting. Mm -hmm. And I maybe can't relate to every emotion that they're feeling, or I can't maybe relate to that particular um, situation, Mm -hmm. but they're really hurting. How can I best serve them. Yeah. And I feel like that mindset can open the, open the door. Yeah. Just reminding yourself that they are really hurting, whether that's the people you serve or your spouse. Yeah. 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 You know, working in the hospital is so interesting. Um, I worked there for like eight years as a respiratory therapist. So being in emergent situations, Mm -hmm. uh, you can kind of get numb to it and they call it compassion fatigue. And it's just like, you're just so, you, you care, have cared so much for so long that you're just like, ah, I just can't care anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I think the thing, there was an author that said, everyone makes sense up close. So lean in. Mm. And I think that's so important to do. Um, I had a situation recently where we had a, um, a managerial shift before at this job, the last job I worked. And um, that shift was tough because the new person coming in was not like the old way and they weren't, it just was bad. And Mm -hmm. I I remember telling our team as frustrated as I was, everybody makes sense, but we have to take the time to learn about them, figure out Mm -hmm. about them. And I think one of the things with compassion fatigue is we tend to paint with a broad brush Mm -hmm. when we feel that way, when we shut off our emotions. Mm -hmm. And so we need to kind of drill back down into a personal level of, Mm -hmm. They, there's a reason they are the way they are. So, so if it's like a marriage situation and and one spouse is struggling with feeling, you know, maybe emotionally connected or feeling empathetic, they could even start with practicing some simple statements. You know, even Mm -hmm. if they're feeling cut off, they could say things like, um, I I really care about how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. They say that in a kind way, Um, especially if a man says that to Mm -hmm. a woman, a woman's like, I'm glad you care about how I'm feeling because (laughs) blah, 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 blah. You know, but you know, saying, practicing, Uh saying things like that, or as simple, how are you feeling? Or or Mm -hmm. what are you feeling? Or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, tell me what's going on right now. And even just, I mean, if you know you're struggling with that, even it's just coming up with a, 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 a simple list of things you can say in those situations. And I'm one of those people that are like, you know, it can feel awkward the first couple of times, but if you practice it, Mm -hmm. you'll really start feeling that and it'll come more natural to you. Mm -hmm. As you practice that, you'll be like, oh, this is a scenario where I need to, you know, ask my spouse, how are they feeling? Because some, some people grow even more than just um, being first responders. Some people grow up in families that are very emotionally closed off. And so they have to 
practice that because it just, it just doesn't come naturally to them. But when you practice that skill, the reward of becoming more emotionally connected, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you'll find yourself, I, I think, most of the time wanting to do the same, the same thing because it creates, you know, more intimacy. Can I share uh, something too? One of the things yeah. that um, me and my wife, and I, and I think it's okay that I share this talking about uh, our miscarriages. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had a miscarriage and a child and a miscarriage and a child and um as a man there's no way that that i can understand physiologically Mm -hmm. and emotionally what she is going through the second one hit harder than the first because it was we were much further along we were about Mm -hmm. 13 weeks into that one 18 weeks i'm sorry and the first one was was quite a bit shorter um Mm -hmm. but the second one hit harder but i think the thing is is that there was it would have been very, it was very easy for me to not be empathetic mm. because we just can't understand as a man, what is taking place there. Yeah. But what you have to do is sometimes practice the power of presence and just be there. Yeah. And, and it's such a powerful thing mm-hmm. to be around and just to listen. Because again, we were talking about men want to fix. You can't fix that. Yeah. You can pray and you can be close mm-hmm. and you can come alongside and and I, I remember those moments. They were tough, but I think just being present for it is so sorry. Good. Am I making? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're so upset over I'm here. Sorry. No, mm-hmm. I'm not upset. No, but it's he, raw. Yeah. But he, I think the the step here was he said, "I honestly don't know what to do in this situation, mm-hmm. but I want to be here." you if there's Mm -hmm. tell me if there's something that I I just want to be here with you Mm -hmm. and that was so helpful to me because Mm -hmm. he didn't come in and tried to fix it he didn't sit I was crying a lot he didn't sit in the corner and and cry you know Mm -hmm. but he's like I'm here for you I want to be here with you you know if they tell me what I can do for you and that was very helpful to me. Very so helpful. good. So good. Yeah. It's powerful. Like by you honoring your own limitations, Evan, you're able to help. Wow. Yeah. Just saying like, look, you know, I'm not Jesus. I can't fix this. And I'm not a woman. I can't I'm feel this. I'm not a woman. I can't feel this. Right. Yeah. But what I can do is be here. I know I can't make it happy tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I'll be here for you and be, you know, help you with whatever you need mm-hmm. yeah. and trusting her that she'll let you in on that too. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal too. And she did. Um, yeah. That's one of the things that she's always been very good at is she's not emotionally closed off Yeah, and in her emotional openness, because men, I feel like t- men tend to be more emotionally closed in certain yeah. situations, but her emotional openness helped with mine and it, so she good. didn't build a wall there. She just yeah. kept that open communication and was mm-hmm. telling me how she was feeling, mm-hmm. whether it was physical, I, I'm hurting today or it's yeah. emotional. I'm having a rough day, mm-hmm. you know, just not, not closing me off. That's so important in those yes. bad times. I think mm-hmm. what Adam said is the key to helping people through some really difficult yeah, situations with not taking on their emotions is mm-hmm. acknowledging your own limitations. That yeah. was so good mm-hmm. saying, you know, I'm not Jesus, but I want to be here for you, but Mm -hmm. I can't, you know, fix Mm -hmm. it. And I think that's, that's like a boundary there. 
You know, they mm -hmm. understand that you're limited, but then it's almost like a reminder to yourself to, I am not the savior, but I, mm -hmm. you know, I will be with you. I will pray with you. I will walk with you. Yep. And, you know, we can pray together to the one who can take mm -hmm. care of this. So mm -hmm. good. I think this is so profound too. Something that keeps going through my mind that connects to this conversation is when we have a loved one or someone that's close to us that isn't healthy yes. in, in some shape or fashion that we can't do what they need to do for them. Mm. Yeah. There is no way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And acknowledging, okay, this is the way it is. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is reality. I can't change this or do this or fix this or make them do this. Right. All I can do, I could pray. I could be there for them when they need help in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. But what would you add to that? Like for people going through a difficult situation or having maybe someone in their life that is difficult, mm -hmm. how would they set up emotional boundaries where they won't? hurt themselves in the process of trying to help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really good because that's a common theme. Um, I know, um, adult children, sometimes with parents, um, they struggle with an overwhelming sense of guilt, um, because it could be a scenario where the parent is trying to make unreasonable maybe demands on their time mm -hmm. and they feel like they have to, maybe they're, they're married and have children of their own. And the parent is, you know, constantly pulling on them and then yep. it turns into this, you're not a good son or you're not a good um, mm -hmm. daughter. And I think that lovingly, you know, setting up those boundaries, you know, I love you so much and mm -hmm. I want to be here for you. Um, yep. Unfortunately, you know, I, I have other responsibilities or unfortunately, you know, I can do, I can do this for you. Maybe not even saying, unfortunately, you just say, uh -huh. I love you so much. I want to be here for you. I'm able to do this. Would you like me to do that for it's you? Good. And just yeah. leave it there. And then it doesn't take it down a negative path, but just saying sure. what you can do yeah. it sets, it sets a boundary without going into the negative road like if you don't yeah. have to go there right, yeah. right. or yeah. doing too much explaining mm -hmm. yeah. or, or qualifying yeah yeah but just you know this is what i can do i'd be glad to do that it would be yes. a great joy for me to be able mm -hmm. to do that yeah um because i know this is common again there's so many adult mm -hmm. children that feel so much guilt when they can't do every family thing every mm -hmm. you know thing a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or a uncle asked them to do mm -hmm. right um, but it's just not it's just that's not so possible. good just yeah. to break down what she did people because this mm -hmm. is a great tool yeah it's called the sandwich method <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. you you call out hey i would love like your intentions of how like you would love to do this thing for them. Or your feelings toward or them. Or your feelings toward them. Yes. You say the positive, you give them that sweet bread and then the meat of the situation, which is mm -hmm. like. Or the tofu or black beans. There you uh. go. <laughs> Where it's just like, I'm not able to. Yes. You know, in a very sweet, positive way. Mm-hmm. Or and here's then, what I can do. Here's what I can do. And then you try to end it with, a, I love you so much and I really hope or whatever. Yeah. And you yeah. end it with that sweet bread again. And that's really, you could take that into so many situations. Totally. Yeah. 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 That's so good.
Yeah. Um, One thing that has been helpful, and I wonder if you guys have other metaphors that you might use, um, but I think a typical metaphor that we hear is, you know, it's better to teach someone how to fish than to actually go get the fish for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I've used that metaphor with clients, but taking it a step further and having them decide, you know, when you're helping somebody, be it a parent or a friend or a ministry situation, um, when you're helping somebody decide, is this a situation where I'm giving them a fish? Mm -hmm. Am I giving them the pole? Or am I telling them how to make a pole or how to go get the pole? Because that's a whole nother level. And sometimes you have to differentiate. Like there's so many nuances with, you know, to what extent am I willing to help or am I able to help or is wise to help? Mm -hmm. And so differentiating even between just, you know, teaching them to fish versus how much of that teaching are you doing and in what fashion? That's good. Yeah. Because biblically, you know, I was thinking while you guys were talking that there's a scripture in Matthew that talks about casting your pearls before the swine. Mm-hmm. And it's like you you give you give the good and it's not received. So stop giving the good in certain situations mm. um, because you put out so much of yourself yep. that you end up in a deficit and the other person you're trying to help isn't even receiving. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, too, when you asked that question, Jesus, when he called his disciples, he said, come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, you're fishermen now, but I'm going to make you be something much more incredible. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he gave them all the tools he demonstrated. He gave them the tools to do it. Mm-hmm. And then he sent them out to do it. Yeah. So there's a call to action there as well. Yes. And I think that's so important that we differentiate. Like you were talking about, am, what I'm, am I enabling or casting my pearls before the swine? Or mm-hmm. am I helping to teach and bring someone out of that? That, that situation that they're in. So good. So good. And then we have to realize when helping hurts. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's a so book true. by the way. Yeah. Um, that's a really good book on when, when giving too much and helping too much is actually putting the other person at a deficit. It's yeah. actually hurting them. It's a book on missiology actually, like the way to do missions work when helping hurts. That's yeah. incredible. What are some other book recommendations or resources that you guys would put out there for folks who are, find themselves in this situation where they're um, taking on other people's baggage and they're not maybe doing empathy the right way? Um, what would you guys say for resources? Okay, so our top two are, well, there's probably some other ones, but uh, top two are definitely um, Soul Keeping by yes. John Ortberg. Okay. Yes. And then what's John the one by Gordon McDonald? Ordering your private world. Ordering your private world. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And what that what those two mainly are are are, are spiritual self care, and mm. you care for yourself before you care for others. Type well, thing. Gordon McDonald talks about, and I just love this. He pray. He talks about his prayer life every day, and he talks about you know every day. Um, he gives his body and his mind and his emotions. Um, to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is so centering when you're doing that. I've tried to incorporate that into my daily, because when you're doing that, when you're say, we're just, we're talking about emotional boundaries, when you're giving your emotions to God every day, mm-hmm. then your emotions 
are not bouncing all over the place. Hmm. You know, they're centered They're you know, and we may have days where we feel, you know, a little more roller coastery, sure. but we've yeah. got that centeredness and God, hmm. I'm giving my emotions to you yeah. today. Yeah. I'm it's part of a posture my... of surrender. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Really so good. those are, those are just, we love those books. We recommend them all the yes. time to people nice. because yeah, I feel like it just, it's so transforming, mm-hmm. you know, from the inside truly. out. Yes. Yeah, truly they're, they're very good books. That's awesome. Okay. Well, we will link those books in the show notes. Any other resources that you guys would add to the list? You know, if people are talking about like emotions and stuff, I always like recommend like the five love languages quiz. Mm-hmm. And the, I, know, I know you guys probably have linked that in before, but yep. I think that's a great one to keeping yourself full emotionally. You've got to know how you give and receive love um, because I feel like that's a good stabilizer. Um, you can keep yourself full so you're not vulnerable to taking on others' emotions. Mm-hmm. It's good. So, yeah. Yep. Anything else, babe? Um, yeah, I think one that's really good is Didn't See It Coming by mm. Carrie Newhoff yeah, and, and it's pretty much about burnout and okay. how, how to see those, those yeah it's good um, and it, it's about I mean the whole first chapter is what we just talked about okay. and then how how to recover from people that take advantage of your goodness Ooh. and so it, it's it's really good wow that's good okay you heard it people (laughs) we'll have these uh, linked in the show notes so if you want to pick up one of these books click on that and uh take you there so tell people how they can get in touch with you guys find out more about your podcast give give them all the information for where to go Okay, so if you are looking for the Think on These Things podcast, you can find us on Instagram at Think on These Things podcast. Okay. You can go to Instagram at Biblos Network, or you can find us on YouTube at the Biblos Network. And we're okay. sprinkled in there with all the wonderful goodness of the Biblos Network that is there. Okay. Um, or our Instagram. Or our Instagram. And then you can also, this is kind of fun. We actually set up a texting service where you can text and ask questions or get oh, in nice. touch there. Okay. And you can text the word think to 910 600 498. And that'll get you looped in with everything going on with Think on These Things. Awesome. That's really neat. Okay. I didn't know you guys had the texting service. That's awesome. Okay. So we'll, we'll put all that in the show notes folks. So you can, um, connect with them, go follow their podcast and subscribe, follow them on Instagram, all the things. And, um, I'm sure we'll be having them on again because now they're on our team. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we're going to close out the podcast the way we close out all of our podcasts. And that's by asking you guys to rewind back to the first couple years of your marriage. You've been married eight years. Yep. Yes, eight years. So rewind back and think about the advice you wish you would have received and fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. You go first. I'll go second. What are you going to say? I don't know yet. That's why I'm going to get Yeah. Okay. Dear young married couple, this is especially to me. I'll feel convicted when I think back on this. <laughs> Don't take yourself so seriously. Mm. Learn to laugh at yourself from the very beginning. And your first few years of married life will be so much more enjoyable. Yes. Love that. Yes. That's good. Dear young married couple, don't envy what other people have Mm. enjoy what you have and enjoy the ride don't Mm. go too fast take your time because it's fun 
Yes. It's nice. so much fun. It is fun. Guys, oh this my was gosh. serious. This is a great conversation. And, uh, Thank you guys for having us. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Aww, for sure. So <laughs> we enjoyed we'll it. We'll have you guys back hopefully soon. Oh, yeah, yes. for sure. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you.